Well, good morning. God is not Santa Claus, right? Right. That's what we've been learning all December long. We've had a fun series called God is not Santa Claus. Because what I have found is that a lot of people have this childish view of God. Whether they believe in God or not, they have this childish view. Because some people take that and reject it. Some people take it and it's just, we need to grow up a little bit. And that's what we've been learning this December. And especially tonight, we're going to finish that series in a message called Naughty or Nice. Naughty or Nice. So we are finishing this series in, and I'd love to invite you to come back. On January 14th, we're going to start our next series through Elisha, the, the man, the prophet. And that series is going to be called Seeing the Unseen. So I want to invite you back. Of course, you should come back every Sunday, but that's a, a special one that I want you to mark your calendars for, for that series. So we're going to be talking about naughty or nice. Naughty or nice. Naughty or nice. I remember, and I probably shouldn't even tell this story, but I remember when I was a kid hearing about Santa Claus. Because Santa Claus, of course, gives presents, gives gifts to good kids. But the bad kids, not so much. In fact, they might get coal in their stocking, right? That's what you hear. And I remember hearing this when I was in elementary school one day, and I was pretty scared. I was really worried that I wasn't getting anything that year for presents. Because the day before, I remember this girl had told me at school, oh yeah, you won't get any presents. Because the day before, I had snuck into my dad's desk taken some quarters to buy a candy bar. And I was terrified that I was getting no presents. And I thought, okay, have I done too many bad things now? Will I get no presents? Do I need to do some other good things to make up for the bad things I've done? And that's how I felt, because uh, there's this list of naughty or nice. And, you know, I think other people have had that experience around Christmas, around Santa Claus. But why I think it's so significant is that people have that view of God. That he's this all-seeing person, and, and that's how God operates. If you're good, you get good things. If you're bad, you get bad things. And, and really, that's how people view most religions. And that's kind of how most religions in our world are. That if you do good, good things will come back. If you do bad, bad things will come back to you. And if you do too many bad things, then you've got to do more good things to make up for the bad things that you've done. It's kind of how religion works. All the religions in the world, uh, a lot of times people will call it karma. If you do good, then good will eventually come back to you. If you do bad, bad will eventually come back to you. That's how people review, view the religions of the world. And really, all the religions of the world are like that in different ways or another, except for Christianity. And that's why we're going to talk about that tonight, because especially Christmas brings the beginning of this idea that Christianity is totally different from all those other religions. Because, and I want you to get this point, it's so important is that God gives good gifts to people who deserve coal. It's different. It's different. God has good gifts. He has special things. He has grace for people who deserve coal. People who have done bad. People who are awful and haven't done enough good things to make up for the bad and could never do enough good things. For those people, He has good gifts for them. And I want you to get this because it's so significant and it's really at the heart of why Jesus had to come. So the heart of why Jesus had to come. You know, this is the concept of grace. C.S. Lewis, the British author and theologian, some of you know him because he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. You've seen the movies. But C.S. Lewis was at a big conference of comparative religion. There's people representing all the religions of the world at this conference, and they were talking about the unique contribution of every religion to the world. What did this religion bring? What did this religion? And they came to C.S. Lewis and they said, okay, you know, there's all these overlaps in religions. There's all these things that are pretty similar, let's be honest, between different religions. And he said, what's the one thing that makes Christianity unique? He said, that's simple. It's grace. It's grace. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Because grace is that concept that God gives good gifts to people who deserve coal. 
It's so important, especially here at Christmas. So I want to show you a few verses that we're going to look at in John chapter 1. And in John chapter 1, we get this amazing verse in verse 14. It says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, I could preach a whole other message just about truth, but we're going to focus on the grace today, the grace component of Jesus coming, because that's who the Word is. You know, this Word is this concept that God speaks. And the Bible teaches consistently that there is only one God. From the very beginning to the very end, there's one God. But this God is represented in three different persons. And the second person, there's the Father, and then there's the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. But the second person, the Son, is called the Word here. And that word was the same word that God spoke when he created the entire universe. Always there. It's a powerful, universal thing. This word. And it says that the word became flesh. The word became human. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas, right? That the word, the eternal God that has been there forever, became a human being. Flesh. With sinews and muscles. With skin, with vital organs. It became a person who would laugh and have emotions. That would eat and talk and share how God is in a human form. God became flesh. And it says that he made his dwelling among us in the verse. That word dwelling is really interesting because that's the same word that's used in the Old Testament where God lived. God's dwelling. You see, for a period of 40 years, God's people were kind of nomads in the desert. They were going around and there was no temple where God would live. But God would say, hey, I'm going to live with you. I'm going to reside among you in the tabernacle, in this tent, in this dwelling that you will set up for me everywhere you go. So you'll set it up again and then you'll move and then you'll set it up. And that was where God lived with them for that period of time. But now for a short period of time in human history, God would come down in a different form. Not in a tent, but in a human form, as a human being. And that's what's at the heart of Christmas. It's the heart of Christmas. And it says that that human being, that flesh, shows God's glory, the glory of the one and only Son, and that he is full of grace and truth. So that's grace that I want to talk about today, because I think people don't understand grace. People don't understand grace. And really, I think when we talk about God's grace, we don't mean that God is graceful. When we talk about Jesus, we say he's full of grace, but not that he's graceful. We use graceful for like a ballerina, right? Or a gymnast, someone not like me, right? Someone who's graceful. But when we talk about Jesus, we say that he is full of grace because grace is God's gift to people who don't deserve it. It's God giving something to someone who does not earn it, does not deserve it, and can never pay it back. That's what grace is. And it's better than anything we could have on our own. There's a story that I think illustrates it well. There was a man and he was walking by a home and he saw on the front step of this home a little boy and the boy was crying. He was in tears and he was distraught. So the man walks up to the boy and he says, what's going on? Why why are you so sad? Why are you crying? And the boy says, you know, I was really trying to do something nice. I was trying to do something good. So I wanted to make my mom some hot tea. So I made the water and I poured it in the the really nice teapot that my mom had and I was going to bring it out to serve it to her and I dropped the teapot and it broke and shattered everywhere. So he's, I'm I'm so sad. My mom's going to be so mad. That was her favorite teapot. So the man says, you know what? I can help. I can help. So he helps the boy clean up the mess 
And he says, would you wait here? And he drives and he goes to the nearest store and he finds a teapot and he buys it and he brings it to the boy and he says, let's make some more tea. So they brew some more tea and they put it in the teapot and, and the man says, okay, do you think your mom will be happy with this? And he says, oh yeah, that teapot's way nicer than hers. <laughs> See, that's what grace is. God cleaning up our mess, <laughs> giving us something we don't deserve and then giving something even better than we could have had before. We try our best, and we fail, and we make a mess. But God says, I want to clean it up, and I want to give you something better than you ever had. You might deserve coal, but I want to give you a good gift. I want to give you grace. And that's who Jesus was, because he came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We keep reading in that passage, in, in verse 16. It says, Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. See how many times grace is mentioned there? This is who Jesus is. The Father, representing the Father, it says, No one has ever seen God, but we can see what God is like through his Son. And if his Son is full of grace, so is the Father. And that's why God has good gifts for people who deserve coal, because he is a God of grace. And, and if grace is giving this gift of this goodness to people who don't deserve it, I think Christmas is the quintessential story of that. Because what we remember every year is that there was this young woman, probably a teenager, named Mary. And she was pregnant. And Joseph, who was engaged to her, uh, wanted to kind of end things quietly. He didn't want to shame her by calling off the engagement because she was pregnant. But that night, an angel appeared to Joseph and, and, and told him, actually, that baby is from the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Says, the Holy Spirit has given this child. And this child will be born and he will be a boy and you will name him Je Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So the word Jesus means Savior. So Joseph heard that. And he believed and, and he took Mary to be his wife. Isn't that just like grace? This gift from God? And, and Jesus came at a time that was pretty broken, maybe a lot like today, but, but the most religious, the best people that lived in that day were pretty awful and nasty. The religious people were very judgmental. They were self-righteous. They looked down their noses at everyone else and they did nothing to help people who were poorer than them. They were pretty awful. Sadly, like some religious people today. And that's at the time when Jesus came to save them and to save all people in the world. That's grace. And, and then what's amazing is that we know that this Jesus, we taught, saw that, that the Word was with God from the beginning. That Word was God's glory. There's angels there. It was heaven. This Word created the entire universe. And this Word became a little baby. Now, I know a little bit about this now because my wife Melissa and I have an 11-month-old daughter. She's going to turn one on January 5th. And now I know a little bit about what a baby is like. Babies are cute. They're beautiful. They're awesome. But they're also kind of messy, right? I've cleaned a few diapers now. <laughs> cleaned a few dirty bums. They're kind of messy. They spit up. They throw their food on the floor. That's happening now, I guess. That's a thing. That's what babies do, right? And that was the form that God of the universe, who created all things, came as. Seems like grace to me. Seems like grace to me. 
And then what's amazing in this lowly, humble birth happened. Because when, uh, at the same time where this, this birth of Jesus was happening, that the Roman Empire, Emperor Caesar Augustus said, hey, uh, everybody needs to go to their hometowns because I am doing a census. He wanted more money, probably, in taxes. He wanted to conscript more people for his army. So he sent everyone home so they wouldn't be counted twice. And Joseph and this young woman, Mary, who was pregnant, had to travel all the way to Bethlehem. This small, podunk town in the middle of nowhere. But what was even worse is that there wasn't enough place for people to stay in this small town. So Mary, as she was pregnant, went into a stable where the animals lived. And that's where the king of the universe was born. Sounds like grace to me. And what's amazing is that God couldn't let this thing go unnoticed. So he sent angels out into the field because it was a rural area and that's where the shepherds were watching their flocks. And there the angels appeared and they told the shepherds, you have to go to Bethlehem because the Savior is born. They said, we bring you good news of great joy. There was grace there for them. And that wasn't enough either. So the wise magi from the east saw a star. God led them to Bethlehem too. And they came bringing gifts fit for a king. Gold, frankincense, whatever that is, and myrrh. Uh, And that might not sound like much to us unless you're into essential oils. But that was a gift fit for a king. And they brought this because this little king was a king, right? This little child, this baby was the God of the universe. There's grace there. There's grace there. But we know that that's not the end of the story. We, we celebrate that at Christmas because God did become flesh. He made His dwelling among us. He showed us the fullness of God's grace. But we know that that little baby grew up and served others. He became a man who gave his life in ministry to others, to serve them, to love them, the people that no one else would go near. He served them and loved them and gave his life for them. And they still rejected him. What we celebrate at Christmas is the beginning of this story of grace. The beginning of the story of grace because that same Jesus would go and die on the cross to pay a penalty for our sins. You know, we, we joke, uh, I, I, you know, it's kind of funny to talk about that naughty list and the little tiny naughty things we do and, and maybe stealing some quarters from your dad. Like, we think, oh, that's, that's just childish, right? That's not, not that big of a deal. But all of us have done much worse sins than that, right? We've done much worse things than that. And, and I say that because some people in here are like, well, Matt, I'm not really a sinner, or I don't know if I buy into all that stuff that God says is wrong. But I don't care. Every single one of us in here has done things wrong that we think are wrong, and we've done them deliberately. Every single one of us has a standard for how we think a person should act and be, and we don't do it. We don't live up to our own standards, let alone God's. We have sinned. And we deserve to be punished for it. And yet the grace of all of this was that that little boy, Jesus, grew up to be a man who would die for our sins. Taking our punishment in our place. That's grace. One of my friends, uh, Matt, Matt Proctor, is a pastor in Iowa. And a few years ago he said this. He said, to understand the shocking nature of Christmas, just think of the reaction most would have to see Santa stripped naked, whipped, beaten, crowned with thorns, and hoisted on a pole with nails to die a slow death. Remember, we don't celebrate Christmas merely because of the manger, but because of the cross. Jesus, fully God and fully human, came 
to die. That's shocking, isn't it? But that's what Jesus did in our place. The God of the universe emptied himself of everything and was willing to die in the most awful way possible to pay our punishment, to pay our penalty. That's grace. A few years ago in Appomattox, um, I'm sorry, not Appomattox, in um, Fairfax, Virginia, there was a judge named Donald McDonough. And in his court, there was a landlord and he had sued two of his tenants. And these tenants came in and these two tenants were a couple and they were both deaf. And they had been struggling financially and they owed the landlord $250. And the judge said, well, it's true, you owe this money. You're obligated to pay it. So he said, you have to pay this $250 to this landlord. But then he reached into his pocket, pulled out his wallet, took out two $100 bills and a 50 and he handed it to the couple. Now you can pay your fine. Now you can pay the landlord. See, that's grace. And that's what God did for us. And it was way more than $250 we owed. We had fallen way short because of our sin, because we'd fallen short of our standards and God's standards. And God says, I love you so much and I have grace for you that I'm going to send my son to pay your penalty. So at Christmas... We look forward to that. We realize that this Savior of the universe came as a little baby, but also came to die for us in our place and pay our penalty. And that is grace. And that's why I can say definitively that God gives good gifts to people who deserve coal. That's grace. That's the heart of Christianity. That's our gospel, our good news. That that grace, that love is available to us. But you have to accept it. You have to accept that gift. One of my mentors used to say that a lot of people miss heaven by 18 inches. Because that's the distance between your head and your heart. (laughs) You have heard now the good news. You've heard the grace. And I hope I've made it as clear as possible how Christianity is different from all the other religions and philosophies of the world. That we have grace because our God doesn't say you have to be good enough or do enough good things to make up for your bad things. He says, no, 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 you could never do that. But I will send my son Jesus to die for you anyways. I have grace and mercy and good gifts available to you, even though you deserve coal. And I want you to believe that, because it's through faith, by believing, that you can receive that gift. A few weeks ago, I was talking to um, Steph Staley, a a member of our church, and she said something really cool, and I said, who said that? She said, I said it. Because she writes prose. So she sent me this, and I think it's amazing. She said that truth is still truth, even when not believed, but a gift's not a gift until it's received. I've told you the truth, the truth of the Bible, the truth of Jesus, the truth of Christmas. But I want you to believe it. I want you to receive that gift. It's going to be way better than any gift you'll get this Christmas. Way better than, you know, um, fidget spinners or whatever they are. And I was told that those are not cool anymore. But, But whatever the cool Christmas gift is, the thing you've been looking forward to, this is way better than any gift you will ever get and could ever get. This gift of grace, of forgiveness of eternal life and joy and purpose that comes along with it is all available if you would accept it, if you would receive it. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive it. And it's going to be through a simple prayer. And um, I'm going to say this prayer and we're all going to say it together out, out loud. And some of you have said this before and accepted God's gift of forgiveness and that's awesome. 
for those of you who haven't and you're ready to today, that you don't want to miss heaven by 18 inches, you want to believe, you want to receive forgiveness and eternal life, I want you to say this prayer and mean it. Because through it you can accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. And through it you can receive that gift of forgiveness and eternal life. The good gifts that our Father has for you. And then we're going to sing Silent Night and we're going to have a really powerful moment. And as we're going to be holding candles up and lifting them up, I want us to receive that grace from our Father. Because even if we have accepted that gift before, we still need more grace, don't we? I do. I still fall short of even my standards, let alone God's. So we're going to all receive grace through that. So let's pray. So could everybody just close your eyes, bow your head. Don't look around. And I want everybody to repeat this prayer after me, but I really want you to mean it if this is your first time that you're ready to accept Jesus. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for sending your Son. I confess I am a sinner. I deserve coal. And thank you for your grace. I accept your gift of forgiveness and eternal life. God, help me to live like I am supposed to live. Thank you. Amen.